Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, listeners, and a special hey, hi, and hello to all you patrons out there. Now, I know we had a lot of people recently join the family, but I do want to shout out some people that joined before the baby got here. Shout out to Sharice, Hope, Asia, Sandra, Brienne, A.B., and Naomi. We really appreciate all of you. Friends, the Patreon in our podcast in general is totally a labor of love. I'm a full-time creator, so you really do just create parental leave for myself and for Ben. So we greatly appreciate all of those contributions. Now, remember, you can join the Patreon for $1, $3, $5 a month to keep supporting the Wallen family. We love y'all so much. We also do a monthly book giveaway. And this month, we are giving away the book Hard Ears. And that lucky winner is... Courtney J. Courtney J. So hey. pay, just check your Patreon. Ugh. Mm, yeah. Resting. Go ahead. Uh, check your Patreon uh, messages. And we will reach out to you, Courtney J, to get an address that you're comfortable with us using. Now, let's get started with the show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Sci under the Believe Podcast Network. It is a podcast. <laughs> I don't know, I already damn forgot the intro. <laughs> My bad. It's a podcast about black science fiction and fantasy and staying on the same page of not only our marriage, but our family. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, you will see we have a new addition to the family. I'm just rocking it to sleep. You know, newborns mostly sleep. They sleep a lot, um, but we're just hanging out with our, our baby girl, Wild. She was born April 25th after a long, grueling labor, and she's going to be, you know, a member of the family and a member of the show and here to stay, and, and maybe one day just you and her can do some episodes or you and me or whatever. It's yeah, that'd be on. great. Um, but She'll be reading a lot with us every she day. She will be. Every day. No, every, this, yeah. this is something that we talked about that was really important for us, so I genuinely look forward to all the books and all the movies um, and just the, the, the sci-fi magic will continue to roll. Um, but for de- today, for episode 83, it says 82 in the notes, Ben, but I, you know, I'll get you later. You, you've been doing really well. Today for episode 83, we will be discussing the Apple TV series, The Last Days of Ptolemy Gray. Um, this show was created by Walter Mosley and we discussed one of Walter Mosley's books already, Futureland in the past in episode 80, uh, episode 29. So we will be talking about that. You know, Samuel L. Jackson is phenomenal at Samuel L. Jacksoning. For this episode today, we watched episodes one through three. Okay, so we watched the first three episodes of the series. So we'll be discussing that as like part one, and then part two we'll discuss four through six. Right, Ben? Yeah. yeah. And also spoilers for everything, but you don't need to watch this show for you to enjoy this podcast. We'll, we'll make everything accessible. We know. will. Yeah, and we'll talk about other things besides this uh, specific show. So, yeah, let's just do a check-in. How are you doing today, Amber? I'm not pregnant anymore, so yeah. I am thriving. You are um, definitely not pregnant. We can take we can take these off, yep. <laughs> let's just put them on our, our face. Um, I just had a thought because I was like, I'm sweating. I'm not pregnant anymore, so I am very happy if you've... Um, the the Like I said, the, the, the labor was... Long and hard, but I'm grateful that it's over, and we are just, I mean, I I hate to sound cliche, but we really are over the moon about this baby. We're obsessed with her. We're fans of hers, Uh, so I'm just really looking forward to what our life is going to look like moving here on out. It it was lit before, but now it's about to be like... You've also been getting sleep as well. I have 
happened? Yeah. She's sort of on a little schedule now, which is super nice. I oh hey. Um I it's interesting because I I've been able to sleep on my stomach again. Oh yeah. And my You're little like that. figure four. And that's like your favorite thing to do is it to sleep is. on your stomach. So I'm sure you ain't getting no sleep because them snore is probably extra loud right now because I'm so comfortable. Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily because of that. It's more of the fact that I'm just so excited to be a father. And I'm yeah. so excited to help this child, you know, nav- navigate this world. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I-, I can't sleep. I'm so pumped. I'm also very excited to be influencer ban or benfluencer. Yeah. What's it like sort of um, taking over for I, me and trying to make TikToks and keep the content going? I mean, I, I'm you have every right more. to rest. But, I'm, you know. I'm working a lot. I feel like I'm working more than I would as a middle school teacher, like constantly working and everything I'm doing from reading the books. But, I, you know, I want to do this. You know, I enjoy doing this. So it doesn't feel like work necessarily. And people don't understand that creating content is a full-time job. I know it's really funny to like laugh at influencers and laugh at like, oh, you're just peddling protein powder or whatever. But it's like- We are. We all got to start somewhere and- it is a daily grind to constantly promote yourself, constantly have your, you're the only coworker. You don't have, you don't get to kiki with anybody. And that's why it's always really important for me to just not invest so much in what people are saying about us. I know like even recently, some people were upset about like, we've been on the journey with y'all the whole time. Like, when can we see the baby? And it's like, I'm taking care of the baby. Like this, yeah. like you're, you're mad that the book hasn't dropped yet, but it's, it's still being written. Like, give me a second. Um, but I can't even worry about that. Like we just have to move forward, keep making content because I, I get a real high off of just sharing our lives with people. Yeah. I mean, well, influencers are not like in this marginalized group of people like, oh my gosh, you no, work so much not. and it must be so hard, which influencers do this all the time. They're like, people don't understand that influencing is like so difficult. I'm like, listen, there's lots of fucking things that are difficult. Sorry, I'm swearing in front of the baby. Amber doesn't want me to swear in front of the baby. You know, working any job about the F word. But sorry, anyway, go ahead. Any job is difficult. Any job and influencing is sort of like any other job. You know, it, it it is real work and there's lots of different hours. But I hate this thing when influencers sort of present themselves as being like martyrs, Working harder than. Harder than anybody else. I, I agree with that. But the only thing about it, or not even influencer creator specifically, but self-employed gang, is that when you are off, there isn't PTO, really. Well, in the phase that I'm in right now. So people don't understand that like, if I take three months off, that's not money. Yeah. <laughs> like that that means like, oh no, where's my income for the next three months or whatever? Which is why it's it's okay sometimes to ask people to just simply say, like, hey, I don't have income the next month. I like supporting and entertaining y'all. Y'all down to help out yeah. with next month. And a lot of people were really receptive and supportive. So I have nothing but gratitude. If you're if you listen to me right now, I have gratitude for you. Yeah. I mean, anybody who watches what we do and supports us both financially or even just writing a review is, is, is they're doing amazing things. Like, yes, financial is great, but also watching what we're doing, writing reviews are are just as helpful in many ways. Right. Um, So we do have a great (laughs) Apple podcast rating. Please rate our show. It's super, super helpful uh, for people to discover. It's very simple, you know, 
five five stars, six stars, whatever you want to do. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and read this Apple podcast rating. Go ahead. The title of this is Let's Go. Uh, this person says, I'm so glad I found this pod. Black Car and Sci-Fi is 1,000% my jam, and y'all are dissecting the classics. Uh, Amber, both uh, Amber and Amp. No, that means like the the program couldn't understand an ampersand. Oh, Amber, Amber and Ben both offer great perspectives on the titles they choose for the show in a way that my nerd brain just loves. Super extra bonus points for referencing Black Car Queen, Tanat Nareev Do. Ah, beautiful. Roses, roses, roses. Keep up the great work. Oh my God. That's so nice. I love it when people write nice things about me. Yeah, you, you've you been doing a really great job, Ben. I, I feel like I say that all the time. I, and I know you don't like when I say great job, but I really yeah, want to acknowledge. Not a, I'm not a puppy. I want to acknowledge and recognize the work that you've been putting in as a new father. Um, so, yeah, I appreciate you and I love you. And speaking of patrons, you you did kick a question to them before I, our baby was here about which book you should buy, your dad book or your your magical books. So right. Go so, ahead. so people who've been following our journey, I have sort of done a lot of like book decluttering. I read a lot. I would say anywhere between two to three books a week. It's sort of my aunt, like the thing I just do. I'm walking and I'm reading. I have a moment at the red light driving the car. I'm reading, you know, I'm constantly reading. So I have a lot of books and I've had to get rid of a lot of books to make up space. Remember, I had like four bookshelves when we first moved mm-hmm. in. It's very stressful for Amber, and, and she stuck beside me, which is great for her. So I've been <laughs> getting rid to, of books. We had to make room for Wiggles. Yes. And so uh, I was given a gift card to buy a book from my fantastic mother-in-law. And I was only going to buy one book. So I asked the patrons, should I buy a parenting book or should I buy a book that sort of feeds my desire of nerddom? And it was really interesting that, you know, in this section, we can call it the patrons got a point. The patrons were making the point of, listen, like, trust your instincts on parenting. If you need a book, get it from the library, right? Because you're not going to use an infant book, you know, longer than a year, right? So I bought a biography of one of my favorite authors, Terry Pratchett, which actually fits really nicely in our show today. Terry Pratchett is um, notoriously or celebratorily known not only for his fantasy novels, which I've read every single one of them, but also for his stance on uh, assisted suicide. He was suffering from dementia, and he advocated for assisted suicide for people with illnesses that... Um, like want to go peacefully. Yeah, want to go peacefully, right? And like so, want to take their own life. Yeah, take their own life and knowing that, hey, let me kill myself before this disease sort of deteriorates my memory completely. Mm-hmm. And... Watching the last days of Ptolemy Gray for sure made me think a lot about Terry Pratchett and his uh, documentary on assisted suicide. And so I'm really, really sort of curious to, to discuss that, get some of your opinions on that. Yeah, well, I... What do you think about assisted suicide? What do I think about as I like hold my precious baby that we had what that I pushed out a couple of days ago? Um, I think people, you know, it's kind of like the same thing. I know that this is very different, but when we talk about like drugs and how people need to soothe themselves, and obviously I'm not advocating like yeah, go OD or something, but. It, it would be real. We, we have to always put ourselves in 
the person's shoes. And it would be very, very hard if I was experiencing a disease where I was losing my memory. And I mean, I, I hated being dependent on the hospital staff, like hours after giving this baby. Yeah, you like were. you remember, I was like, if they keep coming in here, like, just let me rest, just let me do it myself. And I couldn't even walk a couple yeah. of days ago. And I hate relying on people. Yeah, so you if, do. if I had a, a disease that was like, where my brain was aging backwards and I constantly needed people to the point where like, I forgot to even go to the bathroom by myself. Like I would consider assisted suicide. I I think people have the right to do what they need to do to cope. And it's, it's a huge, I don't like being a burden on people. So that's sort of a hard question. I should have gone back to the original question is, do you buy a book that meets your mind (laughs) or do you buy the book that meets your heart? Which was the question we presented to the patrons. And actually most, I think we had like 50 respondents and like 35 of them said, Oh no, you you buy the book that you want. You buy the fantasy book book. that you want. I, I fully agree with that. Um, I just know that my husband wants every book, so I do. I'm, I'm glad I do want that we break it down to choices. But what what do you? I mean, tell why don't you tell? You ain't got to tell me. I know how you feel about assisted suicide, whether it's like peaceful in a facility or whether it's like jumping off. Of oh a bridge. yeah, I, I know advocate. How you feel about it. I advocate for assisted suicide. I think that decision to know when it's coming is so important. I think it's disgusting that we take so much autonomy away from people. We're continuing to take autonomy away mm-hmm. from people and you know, control uh, as far as body control and how a lot of, I, I believe that you should have as much control of your body as you want. If you want to fork your, if you want to fork your tongue, you should be able to fork your tongue, right? If you want to get piercings, tattoos, do that, right? All, all the way to the point of, if you want to take your life, you should have the right to do that. And I think it gets a little tricky when you have someone suffering from, you know, depression and there's medication, right? Yeah. That's not something that, there's no cure for or there's no way to cope with. I am specifically thinking about people who have life life debilitating diseases in which there is no cure, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that you should have the right at that point to choose to die with dignity. And there's um, a place called Dignitas that allows you to do that. Let me ask you this. Let's let's lighten the mood a little bit. Um, was there ever a time in your life where you wanted to do something like to your body that you were getting pushed back, maybe from your parents or your teachers or something? Uh, yeah. Like? Oh, for sure. Okay, I want well, I want gauges. So. Oh yeah. Yeah, you yeah. Did? Because yeah, in in co- boy. <laughs> yeah in college, I sk- I skated. I still skate yeah. a little bit. I play guitar. I, I played bass in sort of a screamo band for a little bit in high school. Gauges mm-hmm. were like the coolest thing. I was like, yeah, I want gauges really bad, but. I never had money to get them. Oh, it was about the money? Well, most of the times when I had money, I went and bought a new book. <laughs> that makes sense. So did you ever tell your parents, like, I want gauges in my ears? Yeah, my mom was, like, super cool. She was like, yeah, well, you know, okay. That's Judy, Judy, mom's voice. Okay, so the only thing that stopped you from doing it was finances. Yeah, oh, because funny. I'd rather spend my money on other things, like books. Like, there's a bookstore, used bookstore right n- near me called, in my college town, called Pickwick Books, and I loved going there. So, yeah. That's so funny. I, re- I genuinely did not know that about you. You, I mean, you knew things about me because... You're constantly body, like, modifying well, yourself from tattoos, piercings, hairstyles. Is hairstyles... Yeah, hairstyles a form of body modification? Uh, yes, it is. I've, I've told you many times about, like, all the fights I used to have with my mom about, like, shaving my head and stuff. Yeah. And I think that 
you know, now that we're parents, it is this toy between like, if wow comes home at like 15 and it's like, I want a face tattoo. It's like, please don't. But we, there is this level of like, if that's what you like, I tweaking. There's a great TV show called years and years. It's a science fiction show. (laughs) And there's a moment it basically every episode jumps like five years into the future. It's sort of a near distant future, which is sort of the work that Walter Mosley writes. He does like near distant future kind of stuff. And um, the science fictional aspect of Ptolemy Gray is that there is no cure for Alzheimer's and this medicine is the science fiction element. Anyway, in this TV show, Years and Years, this girl comes back and she's like, hey, mom, I'm trans. And her mom's like, oh, yeah, like... I, you know, we support you and mom's like super liberal and woke. And spoiler. Like, about if yeah, spoiler, here. spoiler. Everyone should watch years and years and like super this family. It's a mixed, um, uh, mixed couple, you know, black, um, uh, black mom, white dad. <laughs> and and then the daughter's like, actually, no, mom, I'm, I'm transhuman. I want to upload my consciousness into a computer and the mom's like hell fucking no (laughs) like this whole idea that we really don't know what to suspect of um like we think we're we're progressive but in you know 10 15 years from now our children might want to do things that are just very different for Mm -hmm. us and i think we've talked about this before like if wild came back and was like actually mom i am transracial (laughs) <laughs> and like how would you respond to that uh okay here's how i feel about it i think and our reaction transracial in general or just not being able to predict or thinking that we're aware and woke and then our 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 child comes our child some, comes with a curveball which they definitely will no matter how progressive and yeah. liberal and like weirdo queerdo and crunchy we think we are i think that a parent's response or anybody's response varies on the level of um, permanence the thing has. Mm, yeah. So a face tattoo is permanent or feels more permanent. I guess you can always get it removed than like, well, my child wants to shave their head. My child wants to dye their yeah, hair blue. Yep. Like th- those are the things that's the line for me. And so with, you know, with assisted suicide, death is permanent. Yeah. So I think, whenever we as human beings make a permanent decision to do something, because there are so few things that are permanent that we do when I really think about it. Like even if your that child wanted we to as humans do, or we as me and you do, I think that we as humans do like even with this, even, even if your child came home and was like, I really identify as Asian now. Like there's a level of, even though I'm just like rolling my eyes as hard as I can about that. There's a level of like, okay, maybe they'll only deal with this identity crisis for like a couple months that, you know, there's a level of impermanence. Am I correctly using that word? I think I am. Sure. Um, Oh, you're saying like the things that we do as humans are so rarely permanent. Yes. Okay. So like if we're in our individual selves, Yes. Okay. Like, think about, I mean, like, having a kid is permanent. Oh, so just, like, just being cool with your kid wanting to do something and being like, oh, this is not permanent. The only problem with that mode of thinking is that I hear this not saying that 
you, this is your train of thought, but parents being like, oh, this is a stage. Your kid's really not mm-hmm. trans or your kid's really not, um, you know, gay and sort of recognizing, oh, this coming out is, is not a permanent coming out. It's a phase. So just being careful with that mode of thinking. For sure, for sure. Well, I mean, I I was thinking more about body modification mm. as opposed to, but I guess like transgender children fall into that category. Yeah. But I wasn't thinking about, you know, we don't care about that yeah. gender. We I'm talking about like piercings. Yeah, and piercings I'm, I'm talking and about face tats and face like tattoos. grills. <laughs> like so if w- Wild wanted to grill, I'm like, go for it. Would you, you let Wild get a face tattoo? She was like I mean, 18. Yeah. I mean, like, she's if she's 18. 18, she can do what she wants. Yeah, but what if, she, what if she's 15 or 14? She wants I wouldn't sign off on it. I, or it depends on what it was. It would have to be like small. I hope it just don't even don't even put that you stress hear, on You me. heard it from here first. Amber <laughs> believes that children should get face tattoos. <laughs> I, well, what do you how do you feel about it? You just want her to get a full freaking panther on her face? I mean, like, what if she came home and was like, I want the Mike Tyson tat, face tat from The Hangover? I mean, we would have failed as parents <laughs> by then. No, uh, I don't know. It's interesting. Tattoos on babies is, uh, it's a, it's culturally, uh, the Coptic Christians do it. Um, Who does it? Uh, Coptic Christians. Coptic They're, Christians. Coptic, uh, Coptic Christians are uh, Christians in Egypt. Okay. And so they follow the Coptic um, uh, bishop. Uh, essentially, so stream. Well, keep that so- to yourself because I feel like she's gonna ask you, and then you're gonna be like, "Just tell your mom, Coptic Christians do it," and then you're yeah. gonna come to me. You're gonna stab me in the back. Yeah, well, I think it's they get it on their wrist. I believe I'll, I'll have to double check that. So there's like lots of these cultural things where like, oh, tattooing you know children is wrong, or tattooing babies, and you're like, well, in this specific context, it's different, but it's not necessarily wrong. Coptic Christians, it's a sign. Yeah of their ethnicity it's a sign of their religion etc so you're right i I'd, honestly i don't want to feel one way or the other i don't know how i'm going to react i i'm going to absolutely try my best to be open-minded but i because i remember what it was like to like skip school age 16 get my belly button pierced and then when my mom found out she just like blew a gasket and i was just like what's the big deal like it's my belly button's covered most of the day this is oh that's the nursing alarm <laughs> just pause it real quick I think it's getting on my nerves, by the way, y'all. Ben is so hyper aware of so, everything. Also, I have two alarms. One was for you to get like pain medication, and the other one is for nursing. And you're like, Ben, just turn off. So we, t- I turn off the pain medication one, and you forgot to take it. Yeah. And you were in howling. so I much was howling pain. At the moon you were, that one night. and I was like, watching me suffer with a smile on your face. Is that what you want to lead with? You know what? Let's take a quick break. Before we continue with the show, I wanted to talk a little bit about Noom. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good. Through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. A lot of people face pressures to change themselves, to fit other people's expectations, and the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you. Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique, and what works for someone else doesn't mean it'll work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible, and it focuses on progress, not perfection. 
allowing you to work toward your goals at a pace that's comfortable for you. Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track with personalized lessons that help you gain confidence and practical knowledge, one-on-one coaching, and a cognitive behavioral approach that teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. 75% of Noom weight users finished the program and more than 60% of users that engaged with the program kept the weight off for a year or more. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at Noom.com slash believe. Again, that's Noom, N-O-O-M dot com slash believe. Patrons, since you're, well, we're back. One, two, patrons, we're going to ask y'all about the face tat question because I want to hear what the patrons have to say about that. If your child came home and wanted a face tattoo and they were around 16, 17 years of age, what would you do? How would you feel? We're going to create a poll, okay? Because I just want to see what other people are going to say. All right, Ben, why don't you get started talking about this uh, Apple TV show that we are enjoying so far? Yeah, so The Last Days of Ptolemy Gray. So it's a show about a man named Ptolemy Gray, and it's about his last days here on this earth, which is so fun to watch when you just have a kid because it really starts hoping you like putting those thoughts of death in your in your mind right Mm. and and really makes me hope that wild gets to bury us and you know not the other way around like you you start having these thoughts you're you know as a new parent you're like constantly checking their breath those are not the thoughts i've been having about oh yeah her burying us i'll be honest i've not had those thoughts lately (laughs) i just think of that scene in lord of the rings where um, one of the characters says, you know, no parent should have to bury their child type of thing. Anyway, so Ptolemy Gray is suffering from dementia and he's taken care of by his nephew, uh, Reggie, you know, and you constantly hear like Reggie, Reggie, you know, you know, Samuel L. Jackson, just having this really close relationship with his nephew. And at one point he gives him a hug. It's just like really sweet. They have a very beautiful relationship in the first episode. By the way, spoiler alert, Reggie is shot and killed. He dies. And so no one's here to take care of him. Instead, uh, this young woman, Robin, comes in and starts to develop a friendship and so uh, starts uh, caring for Ptolemy. However, that being said, Ptolemy is also, even though he's losing his mind, uh, his memory, he is also very physically fit. And so he is presented with an option by a very suspect researcher, Dr. <laughs> Rubin, who's played by the fabulous Walter Walton Groggins. This guy's just so creepy and suspicious. That's and, a villain name if I ever oh, heard Oh, he's, he's such a great actor. And uh, so he um, he's presented with this option to have his dementia cured um, temporarily. And the result is, even though it's cured temporarily, when it comes back, his mind's going to be even worse. And Ooh. so... Uh, Ptolemy decides to take this medication to search out the person who killed Reggie. And that's sort of uh, the whole plot of it. Yeah. So what did you think, Amber? I think that they set us up perfectly because Ptolemy needed a motive to take the medication. Because if anybody was like, hey, here's a cure for something. It'll cure you for four weeks only. And then after that, you'll be worse off. Yep. You'd be like, well, no effing thanks. That's Walter Mosley. He, you know, he's a te- uh, detective writer first and foremost. So yeah, you're right. Yeah. But I, I'm, you know, ooh, I, I could make love to stakes. I love when there are stakes in a show, not I literally was 
thinking about you sticking like a ribeye up your vagina when you said I, I could make love well. <laughs> steaks. But, but no, like no S- steaks, high steaks. Yeah, yeah, stakeholders, stakeholders, not steak that you eat with a one sauce. Okay, got it. You know, I'm gonna be messed up down there for like six weeks. So you yeah, so there is no steak going in there. But uh oh wow, wow, I was like ew, you too. Um. So I, I just, I really appreciate when a show has like a timely, urgent nature to it. Yep. I feel like I'm that way. So I'm like, yes, urgency. Let's get it. Because there was a minute in the first episode where I was like, this is dragon. Like, what is going to happen? And then when Reggie got killed, I was like, let me shut my ass up and yeah. sit my ass back. Um, Love that. Love the the girl who plays Robin as well. We saw her in Project Power. Mm-hmm. We really enjoyed her there, but I, I, I'm really enjoying her come up and she is such a, like you, you gotta be some kind of strong trained uh, actor. Dominic uh, Fishback. Yep. Dominique. Ben. Dominique. Dominique Fishback. Dominique Fishback is playing alongside Samuel L. Jackson, which I'm sure is intimidating because he's just such a vet in the game. And they are, I mean, they're working at it. She is not lacking for nothing. So I'm really enjoying this series so far. We decided early to break it up into two parts. Yeah. And then when we finished episode three, we were like, can we just go ahead and watch it, episode four? Which feels really good. How are you feeling about it so far? Episode three ends on a great cliffhanger. I love it. I think the questions it's asking are important questions for anybody to consider, right? Like, do you go through a medication if the potential... Um, benefits may or may not outweigh the the cost right i think this and this is what science fiction does right this is great science fiction especially near distant future science fiction says hey we're just gonna just push the boundaries a little bit like we don't have a cure for alzheimer's yet but when we do right here's a question you're gonna have to ask about it right and it asks questions as well like to create these studies for the betterment of humankind at you have to study on other humans and there's a long tradition of um, doctors performing certain kinds of procedures on unknowing black people and in this case it's knowingly uh, but the question really I kept on coming back to is that Ptolemy doesn't really have a choice but to take this medication right because he loves his his uh, nephew so much well I think there was so you talking about the the unbeknownst to him bit, there is a level that he... You want to hold her? Yeah, I, I can hold her. Okay. No, no, no. No, I keep talking. I'm just petting her. <laughs> petting her. My child ain't no animal. You're the animal. Can you pet me? Yes. Later. Okay. Later tonight. There is this... There are elements to this disease that Ptolemy did not know about. So I don't think he knew that he was going to get better and then significantly worse the first dose, because I want to note that there are two doses that he has to take. So they convinced him like to take the first dose, even though he thought something fishy was going on. And in order to take the second dose, he's now finding out like it's going to be really bad when you come down from this drug in four weeks. And so that part really, like I said, ups the ante and, but but it makes sense. Like, I think, you know, if, if there was a situation where you were tasked with, like, finding my murderer or finding a loved one's murderer, and you're like, well, four weeks is a substantial amount of time to potentially do it. There's also, like, another plot running parallel to this one where Samuel L. Jackson is interacting with his former past life yeah. as well, and there's yep. a mission 
there as well. So there's like these two separate missions, but it's not confusing. They're not, yeah. I'm not losing the importance of one over the other. So the second plot point is that he is part of the great migration. He came from Tennessee. And so oh, it, Mississippi. Uh, it might've been Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he, he's part of that. And when he moved up, uh, he was given a very uh, special family treasure by sort of father figure, Koi Dog, which he tragically sees the murder of. And it's really, um, they do a really great job of not focusing on that violence. On, on a, It's a lynching that happens and uh, sort of cutting the scene. Um, so he sees his father figure die as a little boy. And there's these beautiful cuts where once he's getting his memory back, he's remembering his childhood. Yeah, those transitions again. are flawless. Oh, it, Everything's well filmed, too. Uh, chilling. And that's not all it is. Yeah. It's like the story is strong in it of itself. And so it's just icing on the cake. The, the film is great. The costume design and everything is great. So we're, we're really enjoying it so far. There's another character, Billy who was one of, one of Reggie's like uh, childhood friends. And Billy talks about how he loves hearing Ptolemy share his stories about growing up in Mississippi. Mm. And there's this there's beautiful recognition of um, older folk and recognizing that they do have a lot to share and to give. And just listening to them is important, not only for them, but also for you as the younger generation. You know, I used to go to a nursing home with my dad. Did I tell you about this? No. When I was homeschooled. Yeah, this is I go, why we do this show. Yeah. Same and more. I went to a nursing home with my father. I would play my violin. And we always went to the Alzheimer's ward, uh, mm-hmm. the dementia ward. And every... Um, Every week, someone would, would call, think that, you know, I was their grandson, the same person, you know, mm. and I would give them hugs and they always smelled like sticky maple syrup, not like the good kind from like Vermont, <laughs> but just the nasty kind. But, you know, and, and my father taught me this is what you do to show support and care for people who um, society wants to hide away. Right. And yeah. my father's mod- motivation, he would always tell me, you know, Jesus Jesus didn't hang out with rich people. He hang out with tax class, tax collectors, prostitutes. My father was a pastor, and he would hang out people who were often hidden, people who had diseases that didn't uh, wasn't accepted by society. And so, my father is part of a pastor. This was part of his mission. Since I was homeschooled, I could do this. So I'd go and play my violin for them, and they'd love it. And I'd hear their stories about them growing up and the Great Depression, and you know finding an apple or this it was just fascinating stories um but yeah i I sort of was thinking about that watching this tv show storytelling is just so powerful like you could find just in general like what i i obviously love storytelling and we love storytelling now and there's there's so much I, i wish storytelling was like an elective that we could take in middle school and high school because if you think about it when we're kids, like storytelling, like story time in general, is like a huge moment, like on the mat or whatever. And then it becomes, I mean, I guess it becomes like English literature or something, but I wish there was just like a class in middle school where you just like, we each go and tell stories. What yeah. is that called? Maybe, storytelling. Or maybe, maybe a teacher would do it on a Friday or something, but that that would only be in the form of like write your story and submit it, you know. Yeah, and, the, instead and of only like, the teacher is the keeper of the story, and the teacher of, will be like, "This yeah, doesn't I have enough depth or whatever." And I, it, it, today's society is sort of like 
sharing your story, your your people hide storytelling because it is there is so much criticism sometimes when you share your story, which we've experienced. But I never enough to keep those stories to myself. I'm blabbering. No, you're I'm you're you're doing fine. <laughs> the meds. <laughs> you're talking about this this tradition, this oral tradition yeah. of passing on. And I think us being a Western society, we put a lot of stake in the written word and this idea of just sitting um, at the, the foot of uh, a rocking chair and hearing your grandfather share a story about their childhood. It's not written down. It's yeah. not recorded. You're there in that moment. You hear it with your ears and it's done. It's passed. You know, there's a beauty to that. There's a... Mm-hmm. Um, a melancholy almost to that this idea this this fleetingness but also the the present singular mo- moment of that story is also really beautiful to consider one of the things um ptolemy because he is suffering from alzheimer's in the beginning we go into uh, we go into his home and his home is a clutter a complete mm-hmm complete awful clutter so fell right at home yeah it, that was that was probably the most horrific part of that and when robin comes in it's really fascinating robin uh the the young woman alexa stop that's that's your tylenol pill i know i'm gonna take it in a minute uh, robin comes in and sort of cleans up and there's a moment where you know ptolemy is fighting like don't throw away my books don't throw this away and she, it sort of reminded me of some of our interactions we've had before yes absolutely your child just pooped in my hands that's fantastic <laughs> oh. this might have to be a short episode yeah this <laughs> might have to be a short episode we're doing our best uh right. yeah let's talk about uh robin for a moment okay yeah I, I mean i just i just told you how great i think she is as a character are you specifically so, talking about like the her, trauma that she's faced and how she's yeah. found kinship in Ptolemy. Yeah. So I like the story isn't just about Ptolemy. It is about Robin and Robin gets her own story. And so originally, um, she just farted. She's fine. Uh, yeah. So Robin's uh, parents have all died. And so she's living with her mom's best friend. And there's a moment where her mom's best friend, um, I think Nisi, um, her son, who is like incredibly suspect, uh, Hilly, uh, he um, tries to rape uh, Robin and Robin like sleeps with a knife underneath her pillow. And because of that, because of Hilly's attempt to sleep with Robin, Nisi kicks Robin out of the house. And so Nisi is um, uh, the niece of uh, Ptolemy Gray, which is how Robin goes and ends up supporting Ptolemy. And there's this line in there where um, Nisi, the mother, says, hey, we as black women have to support and uphold uh, black men. And and even if they're doing something wrong, like trying to rape you, so y- you have yeah. to leave. And that moment was just um, a really intense moment. And yeah, what did you what do you, what do you think about that? We were watching this with your mom. And both of you were just like, like yeah. I could, I could see both of you just sort of inhale deeply at that line. Yeah, that's hard. Obviously, well, you know, nobody wants to hear it from me because they're like, obviously, you married a white boy, so you don't uplift our black men. But that's not true. And I just, I, I can never stand by any like BS 
behavior, BS, nonsense, predatory behavior of anybody of any race. So I'm not, <laughs> we've talked about this before. I'm not ride or die. Like yeah. if you are causing harm to other people, you don't just get a pass because it's like, just let that black guy rape you. Like our, our men have it hard enough as is. It's like, what? No, no today. No, never. And I'm actually really glad that this show made a point of including that interaction in there because as someone who was once a young black girl myself, it did do a good job of addressing like how hypersexualized black girls are. And, you know, I'm sure if I asked any black girl today, I could, I could easily ask them like, when was the first time you were called fast or like, don't be over there with those boys or whatever. And it's just like, I was outside playing by myself. Like what, what boys are y'all referring to? Mm. So just like, young black girls have always had this stigma on them of being like super promiscuous and hypersexualized when that's never been the case. And we do that time and time again. We, we, we as a society put that on young black girls all the time. So it's just, I'm glad the show decided to include that. And it's, it's sad because it's like, Nisi, you were once a young black girl, likely accused of enticing this black man or being like, well, you're the one sleeping with a tank top on or, and you know, that a lot of that starts in the church as well. It's like, what are you young women wearing to entice our young boys? Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. We, we would hear that a lot. And it's, I think also white church as well oh, in, yeah. in youth group. Um, I think there's a particular, what you said, I think is particular to like black Americans where like, you know, our black men have it hard enough. You know, that's that's a phrase you can't refer to with white men. Like, you know, don't don't push on the white man. They have it hard enough. I think the phrase is don't push back on the white man because he'll fucking kill you or destroy you. Um, I think mm-hmm. there's there's still sort of this need, but the motivation is a little bit different where with like when women hide the misdeeds of white men, it's out of fear and out of the power dynamic when black women hide the misdeeds um, and um, of black men, it's out of this idea of like, we need to support them. Yes. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. No, it, it feels like that. And this is really relevant right now also because I'm not sure if you saw this, but Megan Thee Stallion recently did an interview with uh, Gail King where she was outlining like all the details of getting shot by Tory Lanez oh, and yeah. the foot and everything. And I will fully admit, I did not watch the interview yet. Um, it is on my to-do list. I, there's so many things happening right now. Even this morning, I was trying to look up like Amber Heard, Johnny Depp, like, where are we? What's the timeline? But this whole thing, even with the Megan Thee Stallion thing, right? It stems from like when I am physically harmed by a black man even even when I am the victim, I am grappling with the fact of like, but I should protect this man or I, I shouldn't share all the details. I don't want to be accused of like a black woman putting another black man behind bars, blah, 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 blah. Like these are all like even in her victimhood, Megan yeah. was trying to do some protecting and still got like, you know later thrown under the bus and now this is a whole lawsuit and everything like that so that those conversations have been happening this week in the black community i'm i need to go back and listen to the interview if you have listened to the interview please let me know your thoughts because i'm going to be listening to it very soon but we we find we as black women find ourselves protecting people even when we are victims and it's 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 messed up and and i think all of us as young black girls whether someone has tried to 
physically or sexually come at us in that way, found ourselves being like, well, let's not, let me not tell. Cause I don't want him to get in trouble. I've definitely been there and yep. later came forward and been like, no F this, like I'm grown now. Nobody needs protected. I need to protecting. Um, so it's just really important. I mean, even, and I'm just going to say this because of, you know, this week, a lot of people were super <laughs> mad at us for like putting first pictures of our baby girl on the Patreon and being like, hey, support us here. But it, it's so interesting that you'll hear people be like, pay black women, protect black women at all costs, support black women. And then one time you're like, hey, like if you want to support us, here's a way. People are like, what? You're you're exploiting. You're uh, And I'm just like, that's so interesting because last week you were talking about diversity and inclusion and pay black women what they're worth and charge your worth, sis, and tax, blah, 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 blah. And now you're accusing me of exploiting my child to sustain my child I, it, it was a mess and again i'm not i'm not princess diana like there wasn't like mass hysteria but it, it's it's people change up so quickly and that's just a lesson you know i'm black so that's just something i always know you know i'm Too white much? i'm white <laughs> i'm white i have no so thoughts I have, I have no <laughs> thoughts on this uh i'll get yeah let's get back to um the tv show yeah uh, you about to wrap up because Wiggles has pooped on me. Yeah, we we should. Yeah, well, uh, watch Tommy Gray. <laughs> it's fantastic. We did our best. We're we're new parents. We're so, new parents, but we are going to continue making content and storytelling because that's what we do. I'm never yeah. going to not share my story. People can Please. block, unfollow, unsubscribe, say f you, whatever. But I will always share different levels of content, different levels of storytelling. It's just in me to do that. And so I don't even know why I let myself get elevated for like two seconds about the behaviors of people. But this is an amazing show. Do you have any size? The one potential size is that it does move a little bit slower. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think slower than what most people might expect of a TV show. There's a lot of scenes within Ptolemy's apartment of him just talking and reminiscing. I think other than that, not really. Yeah, I would definitely admit it could be, I mean, you know, especially now when I'm like breastfeeding and doing all the things like this could be 30 minutes, but I'm, I'm very grateful that we decided to watch this. Could you really briefly explain what the direction of this is not direction directors wise. Cause I remember I asked you, I was like, Hey, is this the black director, black producer? And you were so, saying it's a different director. Yeah. Every they, they, every episode. Rather. Yeah. So from what I understand with TV shows, you have a series of directors who choose an episode here or there, but ultimately the creator of the show, which is Walter Mosley who wrote the book, right? Samuel L. Jackson and Walter Mosley are sort of the ones who make the final decision. So directors on TV shows, they don't have as much um, autonomy as like the showrunner or the show creator. Like they're directing, you know, the shots and how it's being moved and, you know, but they don't, they're not, you know, writing the script or it, well, I guess directors on films are also not writing the script, but there is a little bit more restriction. So there was a bunch of different directors that directed each episode, but Walter Mosley is the show creator and he wrote he would he was writing the screenplay as well he he had a support writing the screenplay because he's not a screenwriter but he um 
so there's co-writers for some of the screenplays he's did, but he has an enormous amount of say in what was going on. It, it's created by him, so and which is so cool because so many times I'll see a book that Hollywood produces and the writer wasn't in the writer's room or wasn't mm-hmm. having a say in how things were shot or what actors were jumping in. And this show is not like that. You can obviously tell Walter Mosley was very much part of this show. Well, I love when the author is a part of the the film and the TV series. And I'm very excited to watch episodes four through six. We will get on that tonight with, you know, and maybe you'll cook dinner. Maybe. Or we'll <laughs> order out. Or we'll order out. With that being said, Ben, why don't you warp up the show? In conclusion, the first half of... Ptolemy, The Last Days of Ptolemy Gray, which is a limited series, um, is a wonderful show. It's a beautiful show. It's heartwarming. It's intense. Um, And go ahead, watch it, and sound off in the um, comments on Patreon. Sound off on our Instagram page. Follow us on all our socials, or you can just follow us around Chicago. You know, find us in (laughs) Chicago. Just start following us around. Right. Yeah. Well, we'll be in this household. And um, I know one day I'm going to show this to Wild that she slept through this entire episode. She did. She's such a sweet she little dumbbell. It is time for her to eat, though. So it is let's, time for her let's to, get eat. to that. So thank you so much, everybody. Bye, y'all. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sci Fi Sci Podcast. Up next, we're going to be finishing that series, The Last Days of Ptolemy Gray. So be sure to watch episodes four through six of that series to catch part two. And we will see y'all next week for the show. Bye, y'all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.